Dunhuang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Buckle up for our podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. This is He Yang. Recent times have seen Earth grappling with a series of natural calamities, from raging wildfires to devastating floods and scorching heat. We at Roundtable have always kept a watchful eye on our Earth's well-being. These events are poignant reminders of climate change and the urgent need for action. This week, we revisit some of our most thought-provoking discussions with a common thread of pressing climate issues. Join us for a special selection of shows this week. Each offering unique perspectives and solutions to tackle the existential challenges ahead for all humankind. Now let's scan the world's headlines for adverse weather conditions causing damage around the world. And these days, we talk about the wildfire that's really、uh, wreaking havoc and, and claiming lives in, in Maui, Hawaii, USA. Right? Yes, that's really a devastating tragedy, and、uh, I think just before the show, we checked the latest reports. The death toll from these explosive wildfires、uh, since August eighth has risen to one hundred one, and also the figure is likely, very likely, to keep increasing as search crews still comb neighborhoods where flames moved as fast as a mile. A minute, and I think the cause of this wildfire was still under investigation. But we do know that this place is already the deadliest U.S. wildfire in more than a century, according to the Maui governor Josh Green. More than 2,700 structures were destroyed in Lahana, and an estimated value of nearly six billion U.S. dollars has gone away. And I think many people are looking for answers, but so far it seems that the cause of this wildfire is still. Under investigation, and there are some analyses,、um, which I think we can discuss later in the show. But I think when you see those videos, those wildfires, and also the town—I mean, almost the whole town—is in ruins, and also、right. the people who are losing their homes and their families and even their lives—it really hurts.、Mm-hmm. Right, the body count is sure to climb as、uh, authorities locally say they haven't finished searching the entire re- area. So、uh, that's really a. A tragedy, a very sad story that we are seeing, and、uh, a lot of the researchers are still trying to establish the cause of the wildfire. Some are linking it to climate change, but it's not certain at, at this stage.、Uh, this disaster being caused by、uh, weather or climate change, we don't know for sure. But we know for sure is that we are seeing more and more reports. 
on extreme weather and also extreme weather causing severe damage to different parts of the country. I mean, here in Beijing, we uh, have been following what happened in early August uh, in terms of the flooding in northern China, mm. and that really grabbed people's attention. And then in Canada, in Australia, there's the wildfire that's been happening over the past few years. And this seems to be uh, the common practice now, at least in the area of, of media. It seems that at least in from the media perspective, we really want people to uh, take notice of what's going on uh, in terms of weather. So that gives us the question, do you feel anxious or do these um, terrible news reports uh, get to you? Josh, you're from the UK and uh, it's Mediterranean or maritime weather there. It rains a lot, but it's not necessarily wreaking a lot of havoc. Do you relate to reports on, on serious or adverse weather conditions? Do you think that somehow it, it's affected your lives? Well, if you're asking me personally, uh, yeah, in, in the UK, we do have natural disasters related to rain, I think, especially flooding, I think probably uh, is, is the main concern there. And when obviously wildfires aren't really a thing um, in the UK. And I do think that I, I personally am slightly detached, to be honest, um, from this kind of uh, worry about this particular kind of natural disaster, or at least I was for a long time. Uh, until I lived in warmer countries. Um, and so uh, I think that when it comes to things like climate anxiety, um, being living in a big city, a big um, modern city like Beijing, uh, after living in a city like this for so long, I think that I start to become more concerned about other things I, 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 rather than um, climate change, if I'm being really honest. And I do care about the environment, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the reason. Things like pollution, I think, uh, things that I feel on a day-to-day -day basis, people being too many people, uh, rubbish and things like this. But then you see the really um, dire things like that happen to more, less populated environments um, in forests and things like this outside of big cities where I currently live. And you realize that uh, quite possibly a lot of the terrible things that happen in develop cities, big cities, big metropolises where you have factories and pollution end up having terrible knock-on effects and consequences. And so more recently, and as we've seen more recently, in more recent years, there have been more things like um, wildfires because of climate change. I am starting to get more anxiety connected to this. Mm -hmm. That's very candid of you to admit the transition or the changes in your in your line of thinking. I mean, that's certainly um, something that we all feel. I mean, I think a few years ago when I started uh, reading about climate change, I was somehow reassuring myself by uh, really taking and trusting uh, the claim on new scientists saying that we will not feel the consequences of climate change until the year 2025. But then with the increase in, with the increasing amount of reports on different kinds of extreme weather conditions around the world, I'm beginning to fear that maybe we are already experiencing what uh, we, what scientists have been warning us about, the climate change really taking a toll 
on everybody's life. And when I said you were awfully candid, I think it's natural for people who are not immediately affected by weather、uh, and climate change to feel somewhat、uh, distant from what's really happening around the world. I think it's going to be a different story if we were people living, let's say, in an island state, and we have to face the ever rising、uh, sea levels, and we have to see、uh, maybe a a beach that we used to play and hang out as a child being submerged. I mean, that's certainly、uh, more realistic. If you follow the COP conferences, you realize、uh, the world is not near enough. Um, in reaching the climate goals set out by the United Nations, namely keeping、uh, temperature rise within two degrees Celsius、uh, compared to pre-industrial levels, so we are not there yet. We haven't done enough、uh, to reach that goal. And do you think, in light of that、uh, shortfall, we could use some extra、uh, anxiety just so we could、uh, reach a consensus worldwide to do things that、uh, that are necessary? For the sake of the planet and for the sake of our species, I think、uh, definitely yes.、Um, especially when people are witnessing such large number of extreme weather conditions and disasters like these wildfires happening around the world, I think maybe、um, we may not really experience very concrete climate anxiety before. But now, as you see this kind of news and you know, happening every day. You can get a feeling that it it really get closer to me, and maybe someday I could be the one who suffer from these floods, who suffer from wildfires. So、um, it does create kind of anxiety and um, um, press of、uh, for people out there. But I think for individuals, I think a very tricky point about this climate anxiety, which make it different from other kind of anxiety that that we experience in daily life, is that a very major emotion among. Uh, climate anxiety is powerlessness. You really feel powerless when you see news like this. Although you might be doing your job, I mean, doing your bit, say save water and save electricity and turn off the AC on a daily basis. However, when you see other people, your peers, and maybe like large companies are not really doing enough, you start feel still powerless. You feel like、uh, it's not really something I can really stop from. And although. Uh, we are like、uh, encouraging people, like a lot of times, to really take actions, and、uh, also there are different discussions and conferences on national levels on 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 a global basis. But I think, really、uh, speaking from an individual perspective, I think、uh, you really feel powerless because that's something you can't really prevent. That that's not really something you can just、uh, keep calm and、uh, keep carry on. It's not really approach that you can take when you look at. Uh, something like climate change. So yes,、uh, maybe in a sense, but then、um, I think we still need more like、um, concrete measures taken by organizational level and also taken by national levels. So as media professionals, we are pretty much aware of the practice or the term of sensational news reporting, and I think we would hate it. If it's something else, if it's about something else, about homicide in a big city or about unsafe neighborhoods, that kind of thing, I mean, it's suddenly sensational. It gets it grabs people's attention. It gets、uh, readership. I, I think, but it's also annoying.、Um, Josh, my question is:、um, for the sake of the climate, for the sake of the planet, and the, for the sake of humanity, 
is it okay if we condone sensational uh, news reporting uh, just once in this re- specific regard? <laughs> My answer is no, to be honest, um, because I'm not really in favor of sensationalism in media. I mean, generally speaking, I think that it's important to try our best, and that we should have that journalistic integrity to report the truth as best we can, um, even if it's something like this. Um, because there are a lot of people we must remember who don't think that climate change is a big deal, and uh, a lot of bodies. Uh, I will say without going into too much detail and revealing my own personal biases, which you can probably already guess, um, a lot of those um, people and bodies and groups hold a lot of power and are massive contributors to climate change. So um, I, I think that it's important to report the facts. So just, just as we were discussing earlier about some of these documents, these historical documents, I think the ones that stand true are the statistics. Um, I think some of the most harrowing and shocking things that we've heard today about this particular wildfire have been the statistics, right? So I think that it's important not to sensationalize these things um, because as soon as you start to do that, you actually give weight and ammunition uh, to the counter-argument, that argument that climate change is not so important. Mm-hmm. Even as we keep track of what's going on in terms of the wildfires, of the floodings, of rising temperatures around the world, we are being susceptible to the influence of sensational news coverage. I mean, that's for sure. I, I wonder whether, in light of that consideration, is it uh, too much to ask if we demand media organizations to be entirely objective in this regard. And for instance, there are good things happening. There are companies and businesses devoted into making the world a better place in terms of climate change. They are doing things that they can, for instance, removing uh, plastics from the ocean and then and developing technologies that could help us to capture and track and uh, store carbon dioxide in the air. So uh, do we expect to see more positive reports in this regard? Do you think that will be a that will have a positive impact on people's uh, emotional well-being, particularly with regard to climate anxiety? I think uh, for journalism, you have to make uh, objective and authentic reports, right? Uh, I don't really think to lift people's emotions and to make people feel better is really the uh, major job of reporters and media. So uh, if we're going to talk about how to solve this climate anxiety, I think there are like tons of ways out there to look for. Yet I think media is not really a very effective way uh, to solve this kind of negative emotions, um, especially when you look at those young people and, cho- and children, they suffer a lot from this climate anxiety. So can you say that we just stop reporting this kind of scaring uh, weather conditions or events like this to make people feel better? I, d- I don't really think so. Uh-huh. So you don't want people to feel better? I want people to feel better. Just I don't really think to, you know, uh, have different policies, especially reporting policies involved in journalism is a way to do it. Yet I think maybe there are like, say, you can encourage people to talk, to share about their feelings, to share their emotions, to share how they feel about this climate change and and all, and all those adverse um, or extreme weather conditions and tell their feelings and validate their feelings and maybe encourage them to see therapists or go to see 
um, or simply talk to your friends and families. I think these are effective ways to solve this climate anxiety. But the thing when it comes to media reports, you have to let people know what's really going on, right? I think that's the major role or function of journalism. If not media, what else can we do to somehow help people who are experiencing climate anxiety to feel better? I mean, there are real consequences from very severe climate anxiety that we are talking about. I got a really a personal. I'm not really sure if it's a a, a, a very objective、uh, tip when it comes to handle this kind of anxiety, especially when you are when you are anxious about something you can't really control. Is that sometimes I can realize the world is really going crazy, but I just try to make my little corner of the world sane. That's my way of dealing this kind of kind of anxiety. And then maybe,、um, say for a lot of young people, they can also try to use this kind of approach. I mean, to only think about what you can do and、uh, think about what you can control. And maybe when everyone is doing that, the world will become a better place. Maybe everyone st- starts from very little actions、uh, day by day, and think about what can what you can really do to help the situation to make this environment better and more livable for people out there and、uh, for families, for friends. And maybe when you encourage more people are doing this thing and in this way, I think the situation will become better. Josh, we mentioned earlier that perhaps people living in big metropolitan cities don't feel the immediate threat from climate change and extreme、uh, climate conditions. And as such, do you think perhaps to make things better, to reach a consensus as to what we should do with regard to climate change,、uh, there should be somehow a mechanism to get people talking about and caring about climate change? In big metropolitan cities, for instance, a, an occasional or a regular meetup where people can share their opinions freely and, and just discuss what to do.、Uh, of course, I think they're fantastic, and we should be having these conversations.、Um, for, first of all, I, I think that these kind of conversations should start very early. I think that conservationism and issues around. The climate and the environment should start early on in education, and I think they are starting to. But I think they should be even more fundamental and central to education systems、um, the world over, really,、um, because、uh, sadly, I think when people get past their early thirties, their ideas about certain things become pretty rigid, and it's unlikely for things to get any better for people.、Um, maybe I'm. I shouldn't say that, but our hope is the next generation.、Um, so, but also, I think that these issues are huge, and I personally think that、um, there are more arguments for government responsibility when it comes to things like this. I think that on an individual level, encouraging these kind of discussions and、um, you know, people's make up the government. So、uh, that's that's definitely an argument as well. But I think things like policy and regulation. Um, to prevent,、um, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions、uh, are the most important thing here. I think that, for me personally, these issues are are bigger than just creating more conversation groups. I think that they ha- there has to be systematic change. That's I'm of this opinion, to be honest. I totally agree, and also like any other forms of anxiety, it. This affects climate anxiety affects people differently. I mean, some people are more exposed and perhaps react more strongly from 
uh, climate change or news coverage about climate change as such. I think it's not okay if we just deny what they're going through. I mean, it's, impo- it's important for us to validate their feelings. And if you have somehow found somebody around you who are undergoing and experiencing an awful amount of stress from you know, knowledge or reports on climate change and do lend a helping hand in whatever ways you can and try to communicate and make them feel better short of real actions or in fact alongside real actions to mitigate the effects of climate change we can do whatever what little we can to make people around us feel slightly better you're listening to roundtable up next roundtable's heart to heart segment you ask we answer Table, heart to heart. Welcome to Roundtable's Heart to Heart segment. This is uh, where we air the questions raised by our listeners. They record their voices. They send it through email to our email address at ezfmbrowntable at foxmail.com. This is a very important venue for all of you to take part in our conversation. And this week, let's hear Tracy, what she has to say. Hi, Roundtable. I'm Tracy from a fourth-tier city in Hulan. I really love your program and every host. I'm so impressed by not only your fluent English, but also your deep and sympathetic thoughts. So every day on my way back home, after I send my kids to school, I will enjoy listening to your program. As to me, this is really relaxing time during the long day. I'm a mom of two kids working in the government department, and now I'm nearly 40. So here comes my questions. The first is, should I go to the new department or not? And the second question is, do you think I should uh, try my best to improve my relationship with my co-workers since now they are leaving me automatically. And the third question is, now um, I'm at uh, the embarrassing age. Um, I mentioned before, I'm nearly 40. And uh, as for my career, if you don't get promoted at this age, it is very hard for you to achieve higher in the later uh, time. So do you think I should continue to focus on my career in this field or should I focus on something else? Because um, I think I want to achieve more than just uh, from the family. Hey, Josh, this has got to be a tough one for you. I mean, uh, a question from the mother of two kids uh, from a small city in China and uh, career advice on what she should do. Yeah, I mean, who am I to give any advice? Um, It sounds like you have a real wealth of experience, much more than me. And it sounds like uh, you're an amazing person. You're raising two children and you have aspirations to be promoted and work hard. And I just want to let you know that I'm absolutely sure that somebody and many people will also see that in you. I think we often look at ourselves in the mirror and we see 
and think about a completely different person to what everybody else sees. And all I can say, because I don't think I can give you too much specific advice, given that I have nowhere near as much experience as you, even in my own field, but that when I hear your story and I, I hear what you're doing, it sounds to me like you're a very strong and competent human being. So I'm sure that other people will see that eventually. So just... Um, Keep going, and uh, thanks for calling in.、Mm -hmm. Li Yi, what would be your answer to her questions? Well, I kind of relate to Josh here because I noticed this、uh, lovely listener. She's a mother of two kids, and、um, at the age of nearly forty, she's still thinking about like whether or not to have a new. Direction in her career, and also she mentions she wants to achieve more in her career instead of only find satisfaction in families. I think that's itself is a very encouraging, inspiring、um, decision. I think for many people out there. So I think yeah, she's already doing a great job, and I noticed she is looking for advice whether or not to change her department. Yes, I think it really depends on why you want to change your department, right?、Uh, if you see more opportunities in a new department, and you are really passionate about the work in that department, maybe、uh, the answer is yes. Uh, but I think if you simply want to avoid your colleagues、uh, and your superior, because I noticed she、uh, felt isolated by her superior and colleagues after she talked to the superior, I think if that's the reason you want to change your department, so maybe I would say just to hold on for a second and really have a thorough thinking about everything. And also,、uh, she's looking for some suggestion、uh, about whether or not to improve the relation. With her colleagues,、um, I think it seems it、uh, it really annoys her, right?、Uh, she doesn't really get along with her colleagues,、um, which I think she can really、uh, take easy on it. Because personally, I don't really think workplace is the best place for you to make friends, and it's re really a very different ecosystem. And uh, also, uh, if you think you are already working hard enough, my suggestion would be don't really care so much about details at your workplace. Only focus on your work and maybe your families. I think that's already a tough job for a lot of people out there. Good advice,、yeah. and、uh, I quite agree with Josh. And I think, as a, a woman, mother of two kids, working in a government department, I think、uh, she's in a better place than a lot of people. In this country, and as such, she's in a position to think about what should do next.、Mm. Whether she should try harder to achieve her dreams or ambitions, that's something enviable for a lot of people in this country and also around the world. In fact, but we are not in a position to give Tracy any specific advice on career decisions because we are not sufficiently informed on her situation. Certain department positions are more desirable than others for various realistic and regional specific reasons. So she will not be the only one eyeing the vacancies, and the competition will be very tough. So if she's seriously considering switching lane, she must make sure to do sufficient homework to know that、uh, what she's getting into. And Tracy, there are things you must consider if you wish to advance in career, and that is. It always pays off to improve relationship with your coworkers, no matter which department you work with. If anything, it helps foster a friendly working environment, and better still, a good relationship with coworkers might help you go a long way and going forward. 
Also, local government jobs involve a lot of interagency coordination and cooperation. So your reputation and relationship with members of other departments also matter. So I'm, I'm actually posing more challenges to you. I mean, on top of good relationship with your coworkers, you need to do、uh, more than that. And lastly, you said you wish to achieve more than just taking care of the family. That's great. It's nice to have ambitions and dreams, but you must understand that there is no escape from your family responsibilities for both men and women. In fact, it's the basis of everything you pursue outside of the family. If you don't make sure your family is taken very good care of, one way or another, your absence or negligence will come back to haunt you one day, and sometimes. At very important junctures of your career, so、uh, do take care and and、uh, think about it、uh, before you make all that decisions. And thank you for writing to us. I mean, that's very very brave of you to to let us know your your problems and、uh, seeking help. And that's all the time we have for this roundtable. Thank you for、uh, listening. And if you haven't. Heard enough? Remember, you can always find us at Roundtable China on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you, and bye bye. <laughs>